0: Hello and welcome, welcome to another episode of I Watch This as an Adult Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Mikkel Ford. Thank you for showing up to, I don't know how many episodes I'm in, in a podcast form. Uh, I know this is episode two on YouTube. If you've decided to return, thank you for your support. And while you're here, while you're here, go hit that like button go, go hit that subscribe button, comment on what you think of the review, what you think of the podcast. Let me know your feedback's important over here. Uh, I think I have a notification button. If, if I do have a notification button, hit that notification button. So you know when the show is on, um, go, uh, follow the podcast on, uh, Spotify for podcasters. Go follow it over there. Uh, I'm actually, I'm in a transition, I'm, in, I'm really in a transition period over there when it comes to audio. Um, so like, I'm, 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 I'm working out some, working out some deals over there. So uh, trying to get, trying to get the audio back in check, trying to get something going on over there. Got some, got, 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 working out some things. Let's just say, working out some things over there. Um, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it for all the all the technical stuff that I got going on right now. Um, Oh, social media. I ain't talking about my social media last time. If you, if you're new on YouTube, um, follow me on Twitter at watchedpod. uh, follow me on uh, Instagram and I watched this as an adult. Uh, Follow me on uh, Facebook at Michael Ford M I C K E L L F O R D. Go follow me over there. Uh, you get a lot of uh, info of what's going on with the podcast over there. So that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all I got right there. Um, let's get into this movie, man. Let's get into the Great White Hype from 1996. Let's start with the technical. This movie was directed by Reggie Hudlin. Uh, you may know him as the director of House Party. He also directed another movie with Eddie Murphy called Boomerang. He directed a lot of stuff. He also, it's funny that I'm wearing this Black Panther t-shirt also, if, you, if you're if you looking at me on video. Uh, it's funny that I'm wearing this Black Panther t-shirt because he also wrote on Black Panther. He is the creator of Shuri, by the way. He created Shuri. Uh, so, yeah, Reggie Hudlin, very accomplished in this, in this industry. Uh, the movie was written by Tony Hendra and Ron Shelton. Uh well, I think Ron Shelton, I think he did uh White Men Can't Jump. Uh, if I remember. I know there's a I know there's a new right White Men Can't Jump. I'm not even gonna waste my eyes on that. Really, you know, like I'm not even gonna waste my eyes on that. Uh the original White Men Can't Jump is such a fucking classic. I am not gonna be a blasphemer and Watch that goddamn watch that goddamn movie. I refuse to. Um, the box office for this movie was $8 million. It didn't really perform well. I'm going to get more in-depth on that, on why it didn't perform well, much, much later in the podcast. So stay tuned. I have a whole diatribe. I have a whole theory about why this movie didn't perform the way it should have performed. Uh, but let's get into how I saw this movie as a kid. Like, this is another one of those movies that I saw on a random Sunday. You know, like, random Sunday movies, like, are just becoming a theme on this show. You know, like, I should just make a a segment called Random Sunday Movies, because, like, I just bring up, like, a lot of random movies that I've seen on a Sunday afternoon. You know, because, you know, Sunday afternoons are boring. Never there's really not much to do. I'm doing a podcast. That's how boring... Sunday afternoons are. You know? so, I'm doing a podcast on a Sunday afternoon. So that's how boring they are. But I remember I remember seeing this movie on a random Sunday. Uh, I remember this movie, like I say, I remember this movie not being promoted very well, because I do remember seeing the commercials for it on television. And it came to it came to uh cable very quickly. Like it was like that. I wanna say I saw this like a year later on cable uh because like back in the day back in the day it took some time for movies to go to uh television it took some time for movies to go to cable uh this movie was very fast going to cable i think i saw this movie on like fx i think that's the first time i've seen this movie was on fx and then i saw like the, like, unrated version, I think it was, like, on HBO or something, you know, because, like, the first time I saw it, it was, like, it was very heavily edited, and then I saw it again, and I was like, oh, this has got a lot of cursing in it, okay, um, like, I saw this movie when I was, like, 12, I want to say, I want to say I saw this movie when I was, like, 12 years old, so, like, I was, like, kind of transitioning out of watching, like, mostly, mostly kids' movies, and I wanted to watch more adult stuff, uh, that was, like, you know that made me think, and I wanted to watch more adult stuff that didn't involve my parents. Because my parents, a lot of these movies that I've reviewed on this podcast is stuff that I've seen with my parents. You know, like my, my parents let me watch. My parents let me watch a lot of adult stuff at home. They didn't take me to the theater to see stuff. When they took me to the theater, they took me to see a lot of kids' movies. You know, but because like the first, I want to say the the first adult movie that I ever seen in the theater was Boomerang. Boomerang with Eddie Murphy. That was the first like movie with like an R rating that my parents like took me to go see. Like they kind of really shielded me from that stuff in the theater, but like at home, like I, I would watch that shit all day. <laughs> you know, <what? laughs> I would watch stuff like that all day, man. But yeah, but like this is like me transitioning. I was like, I want to watch adult stuff. I want to watch stuff that makes me think. Now I'm twelve. I'm 12 years old. I'm growing out of this stuff. It's like, so this is one of those type of movies that I saw. This is one of the first of those movies. Uh, I watched this movie and like it quickly became like one of my favorite movies as a kid. It, like, cause like I thought it had such smart humor. Like the, the humor was so smart, the comedic timing was amazing. You know, the acting was good, but you know I might feel differently about it, so let's see how I feel about this movie as an adult for those of you who don't know what this movie is about because it's it's a very it's a very obscure movie like this movie is very much an ensemble it has an ensemble cast like it follows like many different characters, but the main character of this movie is a Reverend Fred Salton played by Samuel L. Jackson. He's pretty much a parody of Don King. Uh, he's a slimy boxing promoter who who promotes this fighter, uh, uh, James Grim Reaper Roper, played by Damon Wayans. Uh, like and Damon Wayans' character is a bit of a parody of Mike Tyson. He's just a slight parody of Mike Tyson, but they didn't want to go overboard because the last thing you want to do is piss off Mike Tyson. Like you don't you don't want that smoke that's the last thing you want to do but the plot of this movie is the plot of this movie is pretty much how boxing is dying and it's pretty much become a black sport white people aren't really that much into it and the reverend sultan decides to make a white contender for ratings like like it's strictly for ratings he was like he has his whole like diatribe talking about he was like people are tired us seeing niggas fight niggas, you know, (laughs) that's his words, not mine, don't, 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 you know, I'm watching you, YouTube, watching you, all right, okay, (laughs) like, those are his words, not mine, um, but, yeah, he's just, yeah, that's, that, that was, like, his big diatribe talking about that, so, like, he was just, like, we got to find a white contender, for 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 James Roper for him to fight, uh, but also like there's a lot of other things going on in the background. You got Jeff Goldblum in this movie. Jeff Goldblum's doing like a whole expose on Salton. Uh, Roper also has this other boxer that wants a shot at him named Shabazz, who's played by Michael Jace. Which saying that name saying that name now is like saying Chris Benoit's name. <laughs> if you know Chris Benoit. I, I'm pretty sure you know Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit didn't a name for himself. He's infamous. Uh, but Michael Jace is the same way. Uh, if you don't know what he did, look it up. It's pretty gruesome. Um, but uh, Jamie Foxx plays his manager also. Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx is hilarious in this movie, man. He's hilarious. Like, if anyone is a standout in this movie, it's him. It's him. Like, He's funny. He's funny because his character is so stupid. His character is really dumb. And the Sultan keeps giving him the runaround. Like it's like something it's like something out of a Looney Tunes cartoon. Like I feel like a lot of this movie was inspired by Looney Tunes and Mel Brooks. Uh, The humor is very much in the vein of Blazing Saddles, Spaceballs, a lot of Bugs Bunny cartoons. Even, even like a, they even throw like a little bit of Christopher Guest humor in there a little bit, like a little bit of like Spinal Tap, a little bit of waiting for Guffman. Uh, I don't think Best in Show was out at this time, but you can kind of see a little bit of Best in Show in this movie as well. Uh, so, like, there's a lot of there's a lot of influences. That this movie pulled from a lot of like uh spoof documentary, a lot of spoof movie, you know, airplane, naked gun, a lot of these types of movies. It's it's not very not really like airplane and naked gun. Like I said, mostly like a blazing saddles or a space a lot of a lot of Mel Brooks, Christopher Guest stuff in this movie. A lot of like mocking a lot of mockumentary shit in this movie. Um but anyway, we meet Roper's white opponent, uh, Terry Cochlin, who is uh, played by Peter Berg. Who he's really dumb. Uh, speaking of dumb, you know, speaking of dumb characters, he's really dumb. That's his character trait. He's he's dumb, but, like, he's the only person that could beat Roper because uh, he beat Roper when he was an amateur. That was the thing. Like, he, he knocked him out when he was an amateur, uh, and, like, he's, like, the only... He's, like, the only person who could beat Roper. So, like, they pick him. Side note. Side note I want to I wanna talk about. Um, this has nothing to do with the movie at all, by the way. Um, why wasn't Peter Bird cast as Gambit in one of those shitty X-Men movies? <laughs> like, like, was it? Because I looked at him. Because I just looked at him. And I was like, you know what? He looks like Gambit from the X-Men. You're like, he should have played Gambit. I like couldn't have made the movies any worse. You know, like when they did find didn't they when they did find their gambit, uh it was that kid. What's that guy's name? I say kid, but uh what's that guy's name? Taylor Kitsch. That guy they were trying to make a superstar and they, then they just like fucking gave up on him. Uh <laughs> Taylor Kitsch. Uh they tried to they, they had Taylor Kitsch be Gambit and Gambit's not even in the universe all that all that much. But I really want them to do Gambit. Like real, really well, like I really want them to focus on Gambit, but we shall see what Kevin Feige does with Gambit. But like that was just a side note. I'm I'm diverting, but like I was like Peter Berg looks like Gambit to me, and I was like, why didn't he make him Gambit? He would have been a dope Gambit, I think. I don't even know if he would been a dope Gambit. I just make I just think he looks like him, <laughs> and like I said. Couldn't have made those movies any worse. Uh, Sally Richardson is in this movie as well. Uh, which, I don't remember her having this much screen time. Like, I'm not... I'm not mad at it, because she fine as hell. But, like, she in this movie a lot. Sally Richardson, if anybody doesn't know who Sally Richardson is, you may know her voice. When you hear her voice, you you immediately know like a lot of 90s kids even like a lot of like nerds like a lot of geeks will know her voice because her voice is very distinct Sally Richardson uh is the voice of Eliza Mazda on Gargoyles uh that's that's who she is uh Sally Richardson she looks just like the character I remember seeing I remember I had this Gargoyles uh videotape uh and like they had like a behind the scenes, they had like behind the scenes footage of like the actors. Like they had Keith David. That's when I found out Goliath was black. And I was like, oh shit. I was like, Goliath's black? That's awesome. But <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> but, uh, and then also, uh, Aliza Mazda is black. Sally Richardson is a black woman. Beautiful woman. Like, gorgeous. Rob Dead. Gorgeous woman is Sally Richardson. Um, She looks just like the character of Aliza Mazda. Like, it looks like they looked at Sally Richardson. (laughs) It looks like they looked at Sally Richardson and they just, like, drew Aliza Mazda to look like her. Because, like, she's an exact spitting image of the Aliza Mazda character. If you look at Aliza Mazda from Gargoyles, just look at that in live action. That's Sally Richardson. If you've never seen Sally Richardson, if you just know her voice and you're a Gargoyles fan... And all that stuff, but like that's her—that's her claim to fame. She's done other movies, you know. She was in the—she was been—she's been in a lot of black movies. She was in uh, this movie called Posse. She was in a uh, Low Down Dirty Shame. Uh, she plays kind of like she plays kind of like the villainess in Low Down Dirty Shame, which is another Wayne's Brothers movie. Um, she, she she did a lot of she did a lot of business with the Wayne's Brothers, you know. <laughs> but yeah, she's in this movie a lot. I didn't even notice that she was in this movie. A lot, but like, like I said, I'm not complaining. Beautiful woman, fine as hell. Goddamn her! I know she's married to this other actor. Uh, he was like a child actor. Uh, I think he played. He used to be on the Cosby Show. Was he on the Cosby Show? I think he was on the Cosby Show. I think he played like Vanessa's boyfriend on the Cosby Show. Uh, but yeah, that's that's her husband. Now and like that, dude is a lucky man. That's all I got to say. Very lucky man is that man because Sally Richardson is a bombshell, she's drop dead gorgeous. But uh, (laughs) but anyway, moving on, like I said, uh, Jeff Goldblum is in this movie, but we really don't get into his story until about like 40 minutes, 45 minutes in. Like that's when we start really getting into Jeff Goldblum because. Like, his character, his character takes a major turn. Like, his character, because, like, talk about character art, a character that starts off one way and then goes another way. That's Jeff, that's a Jeff Goldblum's character in this movie. Um, I also love how this movie is has a social commentary. Like, it has social commentary on many things. It's a social commentary on boxing, and how shady that business is. Uh, it's a social commentary on race and manhood, and that's my favorite social commentary because they focus on that a lot in this movie. Uh, the focus of race and manhood is very much a theme in this movie because, like, they portray uh, Terry Conklin as like this innocent, um, all-American sex symbol. And like the, the, all the girls love him, and all this stuff. And they portray uh, uh, James Roper and Shabazz. They they portray Shabazz as this as well. They they portray both of those guys as like these scary, arrogant killing machine, like these like killing savages. You know, like that. It's very much a social commentary on how society sees white men versus how they see black men. Like, even to this day, like, you look at the arc of Jonathan Majors, like, he went from the first black mainstream sex symbol to scary Negro in, like, a matter of months. Like, nobody wants to touch this man. This man was, like, sexiest man alive. Uh, he was on all the, 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 the magazine covers with his shirt off and all the women talking about how dreamy he was and how be- and how beautiful of a man he was and like and like and like i was rooting for him because like it was a black man like black men don't really get to be sex symbols like that mainstream like we get to be sex symbols to uh to just black women which i have no problem with you know but it was like when it comes to mainstream you know like black men aren't really seen as sex symbols like i guess you like You can't even say that Will Smith is a sex symbol. They just see him as a nice guy. They see Denzel Washington as a nice, as a great actor. You know, like, like he's never really been a global sex symbol. Uh, A lot of black women love Denzel. Uh, But like, cause like we have our, we have our sex symbols in, in the black community. You know, like a Morris, like Morris Chestnut. And uh, Shamar Moore, and like all those guys, you know, uh, Michael B. Jordan, you know, like in the community, those guys are sex symbols. But like Jonathan Majors was crossing over. Jonathan Majors was becoming a huge sex symbol, like all around. Like I said, dude was sexiest man alive and all of this stuff. And then he turned into a, a a a woman beating savage overnight, you know, like, allegedly. I don't know if this stuff is true. He's still on trial. We don't know if he did anything. So, like, I'm giving him the benefit of doubt. I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, just giving him the benefit of the doubt on that. But like, I'm just saying, like, it's 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 something that society won't shake. Like, it's soon as they hear something about us, it's like we the scary boogeyman, you know, like we the scary boogeyman, and we ain't, we ain't, like we ain't cool no more. That's that's what it is. Uh, if you noticed, like I haven't really talked about Damon Wayans. This is supposed to be for Wayans month, but I haven't talked about the Wayans brother that's in this movie. <laughs> uh, like I haven't talked about Damon Wayans too much. He plays uh, like I said, he plays a uh, James Roper. The the black boxer, uh, it's because like he's really not in this movie very much. Like Sally Richardson is in this movie more than Damon Wayans, I want to say. Uh, John Lovitz is in this movie more than Damon Wayans, and Ian in this movie a lot. John Lovitz is also in this movie. Also, we got John Lovitz. You got Corbin Bernsen. You got Cheech Marin. Cheech Marin is in this movie also. They play like a, a bunch of uh, like side characters in this movie. Uh, Rock's brother is in this movie, not The Rock, Uh, if you ever remember that show Rock (laughs) on Fox way back in the day in the 90s. Like, he, uh, that guy. I think he's on, um, I see that guy in a lot of stuff now. Um, I think he's on, um, is he on CSI? Or, um, NCIS? Like, he on one of them, like, uh, he on one of them CBS cop shows now. Uh, He's a black guy. Uh, like I, I can't really. I, I don't know his name. I don't think anybody else knows his name. He's just that black guy that shows up in everything, you know. <laughs> but he's in this. Also, he's got, he's got a couple of funny lines. Um, yeah, man. It's good, it's, like I said, ensemble cast, ensemble cast. Uh, but like I said, like, Damon Wayans ain't in this movie very much. Like, he's not in this movie very much. Like, and the performance he gives is very subtle. Like, he's very subtle. He's still funny, but it's like very dry humor. It's just like, because like one of my favorite, one of my favorite lines in the movie is like he says, uh, I could beat Conklin and my dick at the same time. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what it was about that line that was always funny to me, but it's funny. It's, and like, he's just, and like the whole running gag is that, that he gained weight. That's the whole running gag. He's like, oh, he's fat now. They were like, do you think he could beat Conklin? Because he's so fucking fat. You know? <laughs> that's the big... That's like the big uh, running joke with him. But yeah. Like I said, very, very, very good. He still gives a very good performance in this movie. And like, this movie is kind of like a transitioning movie for a lot of actors. It's a transitioning movie for Damon Wayans. Uh, Sam Jackson is just coming off of the success of Pulp Fiction. This is like a year or two later, after Pulp Fiction, like that movie catapulted him in the superstar status. So like this is pretty much like a pit stop for him. Like he gives a great performance here as well, man. Like he does not he does not phone it in. Like Samuel Jackson does not phone it in. I've never known Samuel Jackson to phone in a performance, period. Everything I've ever seen him in, he's been the best part of it. You know, I could be like, "Man, this movie sucks," but he's good in it. You know, like he, like he never phones it in. Like he and Samuel Jackson has the, he has the reputation of being in every in everything, but he doesn't phone it in. He didn't phone it in for Snakes on a Plane. You know, <laughs> he didn't phone it in for that. That movie's a piece of garbage, and he didn't phone it in for that movie. So like yeah he's always giving great performances um there's there's really nothing like else to say about this movie really uh like it's definitely an underrated classic to me you know like i think i really do think this movie is an underrated classic like i feel like this movie doesn't get the respect it deserves i don't hear a lot of people talk about great white hype i'm probably one of the few people to ever talk about this movie. I'm probably one of the few people to ever talk about this movie and it just doesn't get the respect it deserves. And I feel like people didn't know about this movie because of how it was marketed. Like this movie was not marketed. Well, I think it was because like, even though like this movie has 50% black people in it, it's a 50% black cast. Most of the cast is black. Uh, And it has a lot of hip-hop. It has a lot of hip-hop and R&B in it. And I think they tried to market this as a black movie, but it's really not a black movie. It's really not a black movie because I don't think black people, I don't think black people hooked on to it because of all the smart, irreverent humor that's in it. Like, it's just, like I said, it's, it's very Mel Brooks, very Christopher Guest mockumentary. You got Jeff Goldblum in here. You got Peter Berg in here. You know, you got you got John Lovitz in here. You know, you got a lot of you got a lot of white actors in this movie. Corbin Burnson. And so like they're kinda like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if this movie's for us. And then white people, they see Sam Jackson and then they see Damon Wayans and Jamie Foxx. And you know, and all these other kids. A J. Johnson's in this movie. Like, he he's not in this movie very much. Uh he played um Iselle on Friday, he's the crackhead in Friday, like, he's in this movie, there's a lot of black, there's a lot of, like, niche black actors in this movie, like, a lot of niche black actors in this movie that's been in a lot of black film, so that probably, like, threw white people off, and the hip-hop and the R&B probably scared them off, and they're just like, oh, this is a black movie, this movie isn't for us, but, like, I think if this movie came out today, I think if this movie came out today, it would do better. Because hip-hop culture is mainstream now. Like, white kids love hip-hop. They love hip-hop more than they love, like, fucking rock music. Now, rock music is dead because, like, white kids don't listen to it anymore. <laughs> you know what like, White kids don't listen to it anymore. Like, they listen to hip-hop over everything. Over everything. Uh... And multi multicultural casts are a thing now. You could put a white person, a black person, an Hispanic person, an Asian person, all in the same movie, and everybody will go see it. You know, it's like it's like those like Fast and Furious movies. Like everybody's in those movies. Those movies make a bunch of money. So like being multicultural is a thing in Hollywood now. So I feel like I feel like if this movie came out now, it would have had a better chance to be seen. It's. My opinion. That's how I feel. Um, but if you haven't seen this movie, if you haven't seen this movie, I definitely recommend it. It is a it is a great movie. It's really funny. It's, like I said, really smart, really irreverent. Like it's 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 a shame that this movie didn't get the didn't get the respect it deserved back in the nineties. But I kind of consider this movie a cult classic. It's an under underrated cult classic to me. Uh, If you haven't seen it, go see it. It's very, very good. I'll give it a a 4 out of 5. Join me next week when I will be reviewing 2001's Scary Movie 2. Until next time. Peace.